Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, God is really good. You know, we, we're in, around here, we're in revival. This church is in revival. I'm in revival. I can't speak for you, only you can speak for you. But I'm in revival, amen. And our church is in revival. And so I have been reminded of something that because we have be we have become to a come to a place that revival has has had become manifest in our midst. And we know, you know, just if you've been listening to Pastor on Sundays teaching about uh, praying during times of revival, revival praying, uh, we, we all understand that the revival that we're experiencing is a result of the prayers that have been going on around here for so long. You know, for the last eight years, there's just been a spirit of prayer in here. And, and as a result, God has been able to move in our midst. And we are seeing revival come in our hearts and in the life of, of, of every person here here and in the life of the church. And uh, I remember something, Pastor, I was listening to him, you know, some months back, you know, on prayer on Monday night. And, you know, sometimes just certain things just, just kind of catch your ear, you know. And I, and I learned to kind of keep one ear open when we used to go to all the different ha- meetings with, with Dad Hagen all around the country. And, and most mornings he would teach on prayer and then we would s- spend some time in prayer. And if you were ever around Dad Hagen, you, you knew that you needed to keep one ear open for what he was saying, you know, and so many times, you know, you'd be listening to him pray, and suddenly he'd switch over into that prophet's office, and we'd go from just simple praying into, into something that was of great importance. And a lot of times, people, I, I knew people missed that altogether. They, they weren't paying attention. But I remember on this one Monday night, you know, pastor said something, you know, in prayer, and he was talking about how valuable people are who pray. Amen. How valuable to the kingdom of God they are. And he, he went on in, in his prayer, and, 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 he was, and he was saying, and yet when you become a person of prayer, you set yourself up as a target of the enemy. He doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you praying. Because he knows that in this earth, we are going to be the ones who make the difference. You know, Pastor keeps, keeps reminding us what John Wesley said, that nothing can take place unless somebody prays. God's waiting for people to pray. And so we've been doing that. And uh, y- you set yourself up. You know, don't think. Don't think you don't. But count the cost is something worth it. Count the cost is something that is, is that you, you count yourself as to be honored. To be honored that the enemy would think so highly of you that he would need to attack. You know, it's people who just, who just pray, you know, and don't pray according to the word, don't pray according to a knowledge of the word, who don't pray according to the spirit, you know, that, that doesn't bother him too much. But people who know what the word says, people who know how to pray in the spirit, People who know how to pray and persevere in prayer until the job is accomplished, that is who he's afraid of. That is who he wants to undermine. That's who he's going to attack. But I tell you what, we were singing a song on Sunday morning, and, and just, you know, just something that, a line in, in that song just, just, 
just got me. And so that's what I have been focusing on the last couple of days, just kind of mulling it over, you know, and just seeing what the Lord would have to say about this. And the song was, God has conquered for us. God is on our side. He has overcome, so we have overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. You know, there's a place for us to make a decision that no matter what, we will not be shaken. We will not be moved. You know, I go back over to one of my favorite places in Psalms and go with me to Psalm 112. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm sure you know these things, but you know what? It it's always pays just to be reminded. You know, and, and the thing about it is just because somebody is, is in church all the time doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're not shaken, that they're not moved. Over the years, you know, I've, I've come to see, and, and it's been astonishing to me, people who have been in the church and been in this church for year after year after year after year, and yet when some little something happens, they just become a basket case. And I'm going, where have you been? Have you, have you been listening? Have you been, have you been heeding what the word has said? Why are you falling apart? But you see, it is a choice on our, on our behalf. You know, I, I went back and I was thinking you know, about choice. It's a, it's a choice whether we're going to be shaken. It's a choice whether we're going to be moved. And I went back to, and, and I was just thinking about the scripture over in Deuteronomy that says that I've set before you this day life and death, blessing and curse. Choose this day. You know, every single day you have a choice. And you have choices that have to be made on a regular basis throughout your day. You know, and so when something comes along, you have to choose not to be shaken. You have to choose not to be moved. But here in Psalm 112, hallelujah, let's uh, start in verse 6. It says, surely, he's talking about a righteous man. He says, surely he will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. I have in, I have in my Bible, I, you know, with my new Bible that I have uh, taken all my old notes and put in this one. I've, I've gotten in here just that word moved. I have shaken. Shaken and moved. I, you know, I'm not going to be shaken and moved. He's talking about the righteous. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. And my, and my writing right here is so tiny in this Bible that we have to have the glasses. Hallelujah. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. You know, I have written in here that, that place where it says his heart is fixed. It, it means to make, move, make firm or secure, to fasten so as to be immovable. Mm, isn't that wonderful? The amplified version of this says he will not be moved forever. The uncompromisingly righteous, the upright, in right standing with God shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, and being confident in the Lord. His heart is established and steady. 
he shall not be afraid. The NIV says, his heart is secure. He will have no fear. We have to get to a place where we are fixed. We're firm. We're established. We're secure. We're steady. Doesn't matter what comes my way. You know, there's always going to be a momentary temptation to panic when something big comes your way. And yet, that doesn't mean you've given in to it. Just because the enemy brings it to you with a barrage that's sudden, like a, like a sudden wave of the ocean, doesn't mean you can't swim in it, you know, and, just, and, and let that wave just move you right on. You know, you can fight the wave or you can go, ooh, I'm just going to ride this one out. That's a choice we decide to make. But you know what? The, the difference is there may be a momentary temptation to just suddenly go, what, panic, you know. But what happens at that point? What, how do you make that choice not to be shaken, to not be moved? If you immediately turn in your mind to what does the word say? What does the word say? No. You have to immediately say the word no and then go, what does the word say? Isn't that what Jesus did with every temptation that the enemy brought to him out there in the wilderness? He immediately responded. He didn't take time to ponder over it and think, well, is, is this something I should panic over? Is this something big? Is it something that I can handle? Is it something I can do on my own? Is it something, what, what is it? He immediately, he began to quote the word. Immediately. And that's part of the choice you make. You need to immediately start quoting the word. And, and there are times, you know, when, when something seems very, very big. But, you know, it's not too big for God. It's not too big. There is nothing too big for him. Didn't we talk about that last week? Nothing is impossible to God. And nothing is impossible to him who believes. And so we get to a place where, where we, we make our choice. You know, and too often people get to a place where they are, you know, it becomes, well, I'm just going to keep a stiff upper lip. No, that's not choosing. That's not making the right choice. You know, we can have a positive, I'm going I'm to have a positive mindset. That's good. That's good that you have a positive mindset, but it has to have a basis in the word. You know, they popularized years ago, who was that, Norman Vincent Peale, his little book, The Power of Positive Thinking. And too often, people let that become the substitute for real heart faith. What your mind says and what your heart says are two different things. And your mind can be saying all the right things and your heart not being in agreement at all. There's a problem when that happens. But if your heart is fixed... And your heart is, is, is determined and already set and already steadfast and already established on what the Word says. It doesn't matter what your mind says. Your mind can say all kinds of things. You know, when Pastor Greg was, I think, two years old, you know, we, we, had, a, we had a weekend. where He just suddenly started spiking all these fevers. And, and it, it would go way up and it would come right back down. And it would go way up and it would come down. And it would go way up and it would come down. And on Monday, of course, I called the doctor's office and, and said, you know, I've, I've got this child here who's, who's got this high fever. And, well, how high is it? Well, it's, it's running about 104. 
right now. And they said, well, bring him in. And so by the time we got to the doctor's office, he had no fever at all. And they looked at me and I looked at I said, I know how to read a thermometer. Really, I do. I am not one of those panicky mothers, I promise you. And so they kind of looked at me. The doctor went out and he came back in. He goes, well, we're going to put him in the hospital. I'm going, what? Let me put him in the hospital. Well, a child shouldn't be spiking fevers like this. And so we went to the hospital. You know, there was a children's hospital very close by where we were living in Jacksonville at the time. And so we got there. And, and he's, you know, he's, you know, Mr. Bubbly about this, about this time. And so I call and get, and get him. He's at work and, and tell him what's going on. And uh, in, just, in just a short amount of time after we checked into the hospital, suddenly his fever is way up there, like almost 105 again. And so... What, then the doctors come in and say, well, we think he's got meningitis. And I just want you to understand that this is serious. I mean, this could be fatal. Okay, now's an opportunity to make a choice. Now's an opportunity to make a choice of what are you going to believe. See, when I, when I get him on the phone and he gets to the hospital and I tell him this, a choice got made. A choice got made. And, and, and the enemy had all kinds of thoughts going up here. You know, all kinds of things are going up here. But in here it was, he's going to be fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. And so but in just a little bit of time, you know, his fever's way up there. Now they tell us he's got pneumonia. They do a spinal tap. Now he's got spinal meningitis. You know, all these things. He's going to be in the hospital for at least 10 days. They started him with antibiotics. And back in those days, they put him in oxygen tents. So the little guy, he's in, a, he's in this oxygen tent and all that. And, and it didn't look good. But there was no panic going on. No panic going on. Because you knew what the Word said. And... I tell you what, Pastor took, I think, did you, didn't you take the next day off to spend some time praying, praying and stuff? Well, it didn't take long, but then in just a couple of days, and they've got him on all these IVs and all this kind of stuff, suddenly he starts, he made that turn. And it wasn't but just a little bit later, seems that everything was gone. They came back to us and said, well, I guess it wasn't meningitis after all because he wouldn't have recovered like this if it had been. And I'm going, well, you're the ones who had the blood tests. You're the one who had the report from the spinal tap. You tell me it was, and now you say, well, it might not, it must not have been because he shouldn't have recovered like this if it had been. Well, I just figure, well, God knew what he was doing, and, and God could turn that around. You know, they, they scratch their heads, but but, you know, somebody who's established doesn't scratch their head. They do this. Hallelujah. No need to scratch your head. I know exactly what happened. I know exactly what happened in that child's life. I know that the God who is Jehovah Rapha, the healer, had moved in on the scene, and he had taken all of that away. Hallelujah. That's what happened. Woo. But see, the enemy wants you to abandon the word that you know. He wants you to drop it like a hot potato. Well, this doesn't work. No, it does work. It does, the word does work. The Bible says that his word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it's been set forth to do. Go with me to Matthew 7. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, I know the enemy is going to make his attempt at some point in your life. Especially if you've given yourself to prayer. 
So I want you to be ready. I want you to get to a place where you are doing what you need to do now, not waiting until it happens to try to get ready. Doesn't they always say during hurricane season that preparedness is the key? Listen, in the things of God, preparedness is the key. Hallelujah. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man. Got any wise people around here? Amen. Which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. See, both of these people built their houses in an environment where the rains were going to come and the winds were going to come and the floods were going to come. That's the environment you and I live in in this world. But there was a choice made. The wise man built his house on a rock. He, he understood the value of a firm foundation. He understood the value of what it was like to put, to put that house and establish it deep down into that rock. To put those footers and those, and those foundational poles and, and everything into rock. It was harder at first. It took some effort. It took some work. It took some doing. But it was going to be well worth it because he knew the storm was going to come. But the guy who built his house on the sand was foolish. Oh, you know, that storm probably won't ever come my way. Oh, the odds are, you know, that, you know, we'll never see a storm like that. And, and this is easier and it's cheaper and it doesn't cost me as much in time and effort. You know, it's no big deal. But the same storm came to both of them. And one stood and one fell. You know what? That's, just, that's a picture of Christians today. People even who come to church and who sit and listen, who sit under the word constantly, but they don't establish their lives on the word. They don't take the time. They don't make the effort. They don't put the extra oomph into it to make those pillars go down strong and steady and straight into the word because, well, you know, it's not such a big deal. I mean, you know, you know, life is good. You know, I don't see anything coming. It's no problem. You know, oh, well, I'll, you know, it'll be no big deal. Oh, big storms. That's a once in a lifetime thing and that's never going to happen. You can kid yourself all you want. But the guy who's prepared is the guy who just stands back when the storm is coming his way. And just says, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be moved. You know, and so they, the winds come, doesn't mean anything. The winds blow, doesn't mean anything. The floods come, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything because I'm firmly established. This house was built and it's not going to budge. And the other guy, the storm is on the horizon, and it's getting closer and closer. And he is getting more and more fearful because suddenly he realizes, I haven't got what it takes. I didn't do what I should have done. I didn't do what my neighbor did. 
See, it's always interesting to me that people get really upset that the results in their lives don't turn out like the results in somebody else's life when they're not willing to make the same sacrifices that person did to get the word in them. If you're not willing to do the same thing they did to get those results, then you just, you're up the creek. You know, you're just going to get what the enemy brings your way. But, you know, if you ever hear yourself saying, I just don't know what to do, you've built on the sand. You do know what to do. When you build your house on the rock of the word, when you establish yourself in, in the word, you know what to do. And even if your mind is saying, no, no, you don't, you go, oh, yeah, I do, because the greater one lives on the inside of me. The one who knows the answers lives right here. And if I ask him, he's going to tell me what to do. I have no fear that he's got, he's got all the answers I need. He's got everything I need to find out about, everything I need to know about. He'll tell me exactly where to go, what to do, what to say, who to see. I have got all the answers I need. Don't ever find yourself saying, I just don't know what to do. But you know, I hear it. I hear it from people all the time. Situations come in their lives. And it, maybe it's not, it's not a potentially fatal situation, but it's, it's, it's a, a serious situation. And they'll say, I just don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, yes, you do. If the word's not enough, you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The word already lays out so much for us that we don't really even need to go to God a lot of times to ask him what to do because it's already laid out. But I'll tell you what, when you don't know the specifics about, okay, what's my next step, this one on the inside, this one on the inside does know. Didn't, didn't, they, they tell, didn't Jesus tell the disciples in, in Acts, the first chapter, to go to Jerusalem to stay there until they be endued with power from on high? If you're spirit-filled, you have been endued with power from on high. Just like they were. And that's what you need. Go with me over to, um, no, let's just wait a minute. Uh, In Numbers 13, remember the 12 spies got sent out? It's pretty obvious which 10 had built a house on the sandy foundation and which two have built it on a firm foundation, on a, on a rock. You know, it, it, we, we look back at sometimes the children of Israel and, and we just, we just kind of go, what were you guys thinking? I mean, you know, God brought you out with all those, those plagues were all over Egypt and none of you were touched. And he brought you out with silver and with gold. There was not one feeble among your tribe. He led you with a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He parted the Red Sea, destroyed an entire army that was coming after you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, all these wonderful. How could you suddenly get to a place where you, you, you look at those, at those people in the land of, of Canaan and, and go, oh, we're just grasshoppers in their sight we're just grasshoppers in their sight oh you've seen all this and he said this is your land and you come back going oh but there's giants in the land we can't do this we can't do this and we go whoops y'all's problem you know we're just like them one day God brings us through a miraculous thing and two weeks later something else comes our way and we're wringing our hands But it doesn't have to be that way. We can make a choice that from now on, there's not going to be any shaking around here. 
There's not going to be any moving around here. Doesn't it say over in uh, Psalms 1? Go over there. Psalms 1. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. This new Bible still has sticky pages. I just, I just like to read this from the very beginning. But verses 2 and 3 is where we really wanted to go. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, his, of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Now, in the Amplified, let me find that here real quick. Psalms 1. Let me just read to you those three verses here from the Amplified. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. When you're a person who's not going to be shaken not going to be moved by anything. There are people in your realm of influence that will be envious of that ability. They will marvel at your, the peace that encompasses you, that surrounds you, that you walk in, that you refuse to be moved away from, and they will go, I would like to be like that, to the point of being enviable. Hallelujah. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually, habitually, habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Now go with me to Proverbs 4. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting that in Psalms 1, you start out with that first verse that talks about how you're blessed when you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. But, you know, and I really appreciate the way the Amplified brings that out in there. Doesn't walk and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly following their advice. Their plans, their purposes. And we're not submissive or inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sit down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. You know, it really has an impact on you who you're associating with. It does. You need to, we need to be people who will make friends with, with unbelievers. For the purpose of getting them into the kingdom of God. Many of you have been, be, been befriended 
over the years, but either family or coworkers or friends who were instrumental in getting you into the kingdom of God. But you see, that person also didn't make you their only fellowship. Their fellowship, their main fellowship and yours needs to be with the people of God. It needs to be where people of like faith are. It needs to be with your own company. It needs to be with people who who see the word like you see it, who understand it like you understand it, and who constantly provoke one another to good works, who constantly encourage one another in what the word says. That's what we need to be doing. We don't need to be out there with the rest of the world getting their advice and their opinions about things. You need some advice and opinion. You go find somebody godly, somebody who's a, who's a word person, and you ask them, you know, help me pray about this, or, you know, what do you think about this? You know, if you need some counsel, get it from the right people. But over, let's on, on over to, to uh, Proverbs 4, verse 20. You know this so well. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Instead, of that word incline, it means to submit and to consent. Verse 21, keep them in the midst of thine heart. I have written here in my Bible to let them penetrate deep within your heart. For, those, for they are life unto those that find them. I have written in here those who discover, grasp, lay hold of, and seize. Hallelujah. And health to all their flesh. So guard and defend your heart. With all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. It's so important that you're established in the Word so that you can't be shaken. A person who is firmly rooted and grounded in the Word will not be shaken. They will not be moved. No matter what. Proverbs 18.10, you're real close. Since the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Ha ha. The righteous run into it and is safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You know, in medieval days, everybody had a tower. And all the, all the people that were in the surrounding area, when, when the enemy would come, they would run to the tower. But you see, there were people who lived in the tower. Mm-hmm. Gave them a whole different perspective, too, when you live in the tower. When you live in that place where the name of the Lord (laughs) just envelops you, surrounds you, that's where you abide, that's the word, you know, is where you abide. I mean, when you live in that place, that's your strong tower. Now, if you haven't been living there, you can run there. And you'll find answers. You'll find safety. You'll find provision. You'll find preservation. You'll find what you need there. But it's so much better to live there because your perspective is so much different. Hallelujah. Uh, the Amplified Version says, where it says, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I'm not sure exactly how they put it. Let me just turn over here real quick. 
Proverbs 18. Ah, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the consistently righteous. See, don't you like that? The Amplified keeps saying the consistently righteous. Consistently righteous. There's a key in there for us. Not just we're up one day, we're down the next. Okay, the word's important to us today, but it's not really so important tomorrow. But the consistently righteous man, upright and in right standing with God, runs into it and is safe, high above evil. That was the whole point. High above evil. You know, when you're up here looking down on what the enemy's doing, you, you know, it, it's, it's like, really? Really? You really want to try that, huh? You, 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 really, you really want to come after me? Huh. Can't believe you're that dumb. Too many times we got the perspective of the ten spies who came back and said, we just, we're, just, we're just nothing, we're grasshoppers in their sight. But you know, when the name of the Lord is your strong tower, you're looking down on, the, on whatever that situation is going, uh-uh, nah, no big deal, no big deal. Uh-uh, not going to happen. But let me tell you this, your success, whether you're shaken or whether you move, is going to depends on you, depend on you knowing three different things. Number one, who you are. Well, who are you? Well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of the living God. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am the purchased, the blood-bought saint that Jesus delights in, that the Father God delights in. I am the apple of his eye. There is nothing that he withholds from me. I am the person that has access to all things. I am one with him. I'm joint heirs with him. I'm seated with him. I am, I am a person of great importance to my father God. And he's the one who matters. So when you determine that I will not be shaken, number one, know who you are. When the enemy comes at you and tries to tell you that you're nothing, you remind him of who he is. Oh, so you're the one who was living in heaven. You're the one who was chief above all the other angels. You were the one who got to live in such a wonderful place. And you're the one who decided that you were going to be something that you're not. Ah, you're the one who tried to usurp the God of all the one who was and who is, the one who, who's, who's, who, who's the creator of all things, you decided you were going to try to take over heaven? Really? Really? Um, and you're the one who's going to be thrown into a lake of fire. Is that right? Uh-huh. And you think I should be concerned about what you think of me? Uh-huh. You know, I read something not too long ago. Somebody said, you know, in order for me to be offended at what you think of me, then I have to have some reason to care about what you think. You know what? You need to look at the devil that way. It doesn't matter what he thinks about you. His opinion does not matter. It's of absolutely no consequence. His days are numbered numbered hallelujah 
Next, you need to know what belongs to you. Every spiritual blessing belongs to you. Everything God has endued into Jesus, he has now given unto you. All the power, all the might, all the dominion that resided in Jesus when he came out out of that hell, he brought with him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And what did he do? He gave that power, that might, and dominion unto you and to me for us to exercise it. Go with me to Matthew 16. You are somebody to be reckoned with. Here Jesus in, in, in chapter 16, verse 16, he, Jesus had been saying, well, who do you say that I am? You know, people say, some people say I'm you know, this, that, and the other. And he looked at him and they say, well, who do you say? I mean, and Simon Peter answered in verse 16, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, it's key that you come to a, a place where revelation comes into your heart where the reality of the word is so overwhelming that any kind of other reality means nothing means absolutely nothing you know when when doctors tell you that your your two-year-old could could die from this the reality of the word had to take hold it had to become a bigger reality than what they were saying You'll come across situations that are big like that. And you better get to the place where that reality means more, has a bigger impact on your life than what their reality is. Because, see, their reality is going to change. Just like it did for my child within a couple of days' time. That reality that they were trying to tell me was going to happen was different. See, and the reality of the word will change the circumstances in the natural. You know, um, it goes on here and it says, uh, And I will say unto you that there, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What is that rock? That rock is the, is, is a, the ever-living word of God. The ever-living word. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I have, I have in here where I had redone my notes and that, that word gates, I wrote here on the margin, it's in the Old Testament, gates speaks of power and dominion of a city or people. See, the enemy has a certain amount of dominion in this earth because he is the God of this earth because Adam gave him the right, you know, to, to have dominion in this earth. But we now have it back. In our lives, he has no rights. We are the church of the living God. And the gates of hell, the dominion and the power of the enemy, of the darkness, will not prevail against the church. It says, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Is that not absolutely astounding mind-boggling whatever you bind whatever you loose why because he's given us the keys he brought the keys with him and he said here you go while you're in this earth these belong to you use them use them and then third 
What can you do? What we, you know, we, we've already talked about that. What can you do? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I'm telling you what, when we live in a realm of, of understanding what has been done when Jesus came to this earth, now we understand. That's, that's what the Pauline revelation is all about. Who we are, what belongs to us, and what we can do. You know, I remember, you know, just over the, over the years, you know, just in, in different things, you know, somebody would come along in a job situation and say, well, you're in charge. Well, if you're going to be in charge, then you need to act like you're in charge. You know, we, we, when I was an x-ray student, there was uh, certain times, you know, on weekends, you know, where a student would be in charge of the entire x-ray department. Of course, that was, you know, back where they did all kinds of things, you know, that they, they don't do now. If you were after certain hours, I mean, you kind of had to wait till the next day and it was an emergency. But we, so they would put us in charge, you know, on weekends. And, and, you know, you just had to get to the place where you acted like you were the one in charge. Listen, you're in charge. Jesus said, you're in charge. I'm leaving. I'm leaving you in charge. Act like it. Well, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Well, don't let the devil know that. You do know what to do. And if you don't, you need to get in the Word and find out. Let it become more real to you. Hallelujah. And remember, it's not always necessarily the big things that come your way, that eat away at you. Sometimes it's little things. Just little things that just, that just kind of get in there and just kind of nag at you until, you until you let go. Listen, don't let go. If anything comes your way that's trying to, to get you off the word, if anything comes your way that tries to get you to, to have the least little bit of doubt about who you are, what you have, or what you can do, then you have got to meet it with the word. You have got to meet it with the word. Because, see, if the, if the enemy can get you shaken just a little bit, he'll erode away a, a, a foundation. You know, a, a house built on the side of a hill, water is its worst enemy. You know, we had a cabin for a number of years up in North Georgia. And I'm telling you what, we were always fighting water on that mountain. You know, every time we, you know, we, we get to the place where, okay, water is eroding the side of the hill. Now we've got to shore it up. We've got to put in some, some, uh, some rocks down this place right here so the water can come down without eroding it away. Uh, you've got to build it up here. You've got to build it up there. Listen, the enemy is going to do his best to come in and try to undermine. Get a little here, a little there, erode this away until suddenly the driveway sinks. You know, you know no, no. No, deal with it. When it's little things or big things, you know, you have to make a decision. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. What does the word say? It has to become a, it has to come to a place where you make that choice automatically. It becomes second nature to you to always look at anything that comes at you that's negative and immediately go, yeah, but what does the word say? Turn that thing around. Don't let the enemy put you on the run. Put him on the run. He doesn't have a great track record, and he doesn't have a very bright future. You are in charge. Don't let anything shake you. Nothing. Nothing. So what if it's big? The word is working. The word is working. The word works on big things. It works on little things. 
And you've got everything on the inside of you that you need. So don't let him fool you into thinking that you can't weather the storm when your foundation has been dug the right way. When the pillars and the rebar have been put in where they need to be put in. And the rock is strong. The rock is steady. And the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And you are those. Those, every one of us, we are the church of the living God. And he's promised us that we'll not be moved. We'll not be prevailed against. You know, and you need to keep that uppermost in your mind. Serious or not so serious. Just please identify it. And then see what the word has to say. Turn that thing. Never let the enemy move you into, back you into a corner. If you see it coming, see, that's the benefit of, of, of living in that strong tower is you see things coming. And you, can, and you can be ready for it. Already up on it. I'm already ready. Mm, yeah. Nothing's coming my way that's going to surprise me. Because, you know, the, the Bible tells us that don't think it's strange when the fiery darts come your way. You know, are you telling me, Pastor Angela, that, that there's, there's, there's all kinds of trouble coming my way? I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is. But it's not something to be fearful of. Not something to be fearful of. It's something you say, ah, an opportunity to prove that the word works. An opportunity to prove that the word is true. An opportunity to to let my light shine. An opportunity to let me be able to sing the praises of the one who is my deliverer, who is my victor. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.